This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. Amen. Last week, we jumped into the word of the Lord. We talked about um, a legacy, leaving a legacy. How many remember that? You slept seven times since then, so you may not remember, but um, we talked about how leaving a legacy is important. The next, what is this next generation going to look like? Um, what will they remember of you? Um, I talked a little bit about um, how uh, my mother and my father, they, you weren't here last week, he was working, so I, I boasted on them just a little bit and what that meant and to be in a home that you could hear mom and dad praying see him studying and doing the things of God. That's the kind of legacy that I want to lead for my children. I want them to know that daddy's about the father's business as well. And it's important to lead a life um, according to the word of the Lord. But if you want to open your Bibles, uh, turn to Jeremiah chapter number 17. And tonight, uh, with the help of the Lord, we're going to talk about deception. And um, how are we, what was the proper, what is the proper response so when that we are deceived um, in, in, our, in our life. And um, so we're going to hit a few scriptures here. And um, deception is really played out throughout the whole Bible. And people dealt with deception in many places in scripture. We're going to come to Jesus. Jesus dealt with it as well. People trying to deceive him. Um, but Jeremiah chapter number 17, we'll start there with this verse of scripture. And it says this, the heart is deceitful above a few things, all things, and desperately wicked. That word desperately, it's desperately wicked. Um, who can know it? You never know what you're going to do until you're in, the, in a position, um, in, in, in a certain position. Many people will say, well, if I was so-and-so, I wouldn't have acted that way. You be careful how you, you think you'll act in the, in the, in the toughest of circumstances. Um, many people um, in a tough uh, situation, and they feel like they either are being challenged or they're being questioned or being doubted, um, immediately they start, their heart gets racing, and you'll start acting saying things you probably shouldn't say and you start defending yourself you start saying things that you ought not to say you'll start to uh you know my wife always tells me I overshare sometimes I'm an oversharer um and I do that in my speaking sometimes I overshare and and my wife reminds me don't overshare and um, so we don't know what we're going to do until we're in a specific situation because our heart is deceitful. Could know it. Um, I've, uh, I watch uh, basketball players, and forgive me for the, the sports analogy, but I think this would, this would apply. Um, you, you see guys that are very skillful in a lot of situations. In practice, they're skillful in... Um, runs and, 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 and practice with drills that are very skillful. But when you get somebody else in front of them and it's challenging what they have practiced, they get all jittery and they start acting differently than what they practiced. 
Um, they start shooting shots they never thought they would shoot. They, started, they would start uh, shooting a fadeaway when they never should have shot a shot a fadeaway. They'll shoot 30-footers instead of the 20-footers they practice. They'll shoot layups differently than what they normally would. And, and um, here's the part that I'm going to overshare. That um, uh, I was at the, yes, I was at the gym the other night and Monday night. And um, I did a little workout. And so I decided to go watch the guys play basketball. And knowing me, I'm 44 going on 45. And you got these 16 to 18 to 20-year-olds playing basketball. And I watched them for a while, and the longer I watched, the more I thought, I can still play with these guys. And I'm an idiot. Because the longer I waited, the more my heart said, you can do this. Mike, you know what I'm talking about. So what do I do? I walked in there, put my glasses down, put my water bottle that was on empty, put my towel down, said, I got this. Walked out on that basketball court. They're playing a game called 21. Now, I, I was, I was in, in the remembrance of my mind the last time that I did this, I sprained my ankle. And, um, and I really wouldn't even do anything. I would just kind of turn it and I sprained my ankle. So I was very cognizant of this. But hey, I just worked out. So I'm a little stronger perhaps. But really, I'm weaker because I just worked out. And it doesn't look like I worked out, but I did. So... <clears throat> I get out there, and they're playing a game called 21. There was about six or eight of us out there, and one of the young guys recognized me. It was actually Ashley and Asia's brother, um, um, Wilson um, girls. And his, their brother was there, and he walked up to me. He said, hey, Pastor, how you doing? He's like 16. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm all right. He said, you going to play? I said, yeah, I'll play. He said, all right. So it comes around time that I get the ball, right? And I got this 16-year-old facing me down, and he says, I got him. I got him. Calls me out in front of everybody. I said, you sure about this? And so, you know, I did a half, half-hearted, did the best I could and missed a shot. And then my ego got the best of me. And the more I, want, I wanted to play better and better. But I went home with damage to my body because I hit the floor probably three times. And only made like two shots. And, and my mind thought I should be there, but my body was here. And. I couldn't move as fast as I would, and I, I did have fun, but they had fun with me. That's what it was. This one young man, he was probably 19, and he was real cocky, and of course, I got gray hair, and he knows there's a, he's a, he's a slow guy in front of him, and so I started talking trash, and I shouldn't have, but I, it's just an instinct out of me, and and I started talking some trash, and he, he begins to laugh, and I begin to laugh. We begin to have fun, and he puts, he does, he does this move, and he left me in, my, in the dust, and I about fell just because he went around me. And, you know, my heart was deceitful. I felt like I could do it, but I really couldn't. By the, I, was, I was out there for 30 minutes, and I felt like I was, had one foot in the grave because my I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't hardly bend over. I had a five to ten minute car ride home, and when I got in the garage, I didn't want to get out of the car. I had a hole in my pants because I, I fell. I was, my arms were hurting. <laughs> don't, don't laugh. Well, you can laugh because my wife laughed too, and she just kind of shakes her head. But as I was watching them playing, I, my heart felt like 
I can still do this. Um, but then when you get out there and I walk away, I'm thinking, I really did a great job embarrassing myself. Sometimes we think we can and we don't and we, we, we think we could do better. And then there's tough situations where, where you don't know what you're going to do until you are in that situation. Um, some of the hardest situations in my life was one of the ones is when my, my mother passed away and how I responded in those situations. I didn't know I would respond that way. I'd go through anger. I'd go through a lot of things and emotions and things of that nature. And I learned very quickly through the years that when my heart is running out in front of me, if you will, it's the best time to keep your mouth shut. Because your heart will want you to say something or act a certain way or to do something. And, and it's wrong to do, but you feel justified because your heart says so. So the word deceit or deceive is the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. So our heart will sometimes accept that something is acceptable to be this way or to say this thing, but in reality it's not the right thing to do or the right thing to say, even though you feel like you are validated for your words or for your actions. Because our heart deceives us at times. I've told my wife many times that I will not make a decision in emo emotionally, um, whether it comes to, to church or in our family. I would rather say no up front. Like if we buy something, go somewhere, I never emotionally buy anything because your heart will deceive you to think, oh, we can do that. Oh, we can make this work. But it's, it's, I take the, 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 the heart part out of it, and I just, okay, is this the right thing to do because our heart is decept, decept, uh, deceitful in all things or above all things, and it is desperately wicked. When we deceive ourselves, that's one thing, but when we deceive somebody else, that's something else entirely, resorting to falsehood to deceive somebody. How many ever received a phone call of somebody trying to deceive you out of your money? Had a man that I, I, I talked to, um, some of you may know, I won't mention his name, but uh, maybe you don't know him. But he, uh, he told me um, over a period of time he was deceived over, over $200,000. People had taken things from him. And, and it's, he was so deceived that he would call somebody else to get money from them so he could pay certain people. And he was deceived so much that he would deceive others. Um. And so that, that's what happens when we, our heart gets touched and a heart gets uh, wrapped around a cause, if you will, and, and we don't want to use our minds, we use our heart, and we will emotionally uh, do things that we never thought we would do. In fact, we look back and say, why didn't I do that? It's because our heart got wrapped up into something. Um, you know, if you, uh, have you ever seen a magician do a trick? It's all about deception. It's all about deception. As you know, the devil works in deception. That's how he works. He is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But he doesn't do it like, a, like somebody comes in and just like, give me your wallet. He doesn't do it that way. He, he does it in, 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 in subtle ways. Um, you don't see it coming until almost it's over with. And all of a sudden, how did I get here? And it's because we were deceived 
along the way. And we're going to look at a few scriptures here. Let's go to Genesis chapter number, chapter number 3, and we're going to look at how Adam and Eve uh, saw and felt deception in their, their life. Genesis chapter number 3. Um, and there's a very powerful thing here that I, I learned, and I, and I mentioned it in our Sunday afternoon service at El Shaddai. And it was God really, I think, opened my eyes to the scripture even more. It's amazing how many times I read this Genesis that I, I learn more and more in, in this scripture. And um, it says that in Genesis 3 and 1, now the serpent was more subtle um, uh, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, ye hath God's, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. And God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. And then we find in verse number six, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she was deceived, somebody, amen, deceived and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree. It's amazing what the devil will do to get you to look at something you shouldn't be looking at and get you to a place of looking at it and then all of a sudden you're desiring a thing you should not, you never thought about looking at before. So he, he, they were deceived. They, he's, it's, it's that subtleness of that, of that deception begin to go from their heart to, to, to pride to their eyes and all of a sudden you begin to, begin to partake. So she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them were both open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And then verse number, well, let's just read verses 8 and 9. And they heard the voice or the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said, where are you at? Where are you at? And here's the thing. It happens. This is the, the fallen nature of man over and over again. And it played out in every person that has been deceived. This is what happens. The thing that happens is the missing link from them, her being deceived and then God calling him is that she never talked to God after the devil talked to her. She was deceived. Many times that you were deceived and she may not have. Uh, but here's what, when you feel like something's not quite right, you either need to find an elder, find a man of God, and, and have an altar time to make sure it is not deceitful. I don't know how many times that over the years that I've been in ministry that people will fall by the wayside because of what somebody said. Pastor, you don't understand what so-and-so, I don't care what so-and-so said. What did God say? He's not deceitful. Man is. The mistake we make when it comes to deception, it's not when we hear deception. That's not the mistake. Because we're all going to be, devil's out to steal, kill, and destroy us and try to bring deception into our life all the time. He'll use any means necessary to get a hold of your mind, your heart, and your soul. But when something doesn't feel right in your spirit, and you don't go back to the Word of God and check it or call the man of God or call somebody that you, you rely on, make sure it's somebody that has a walk with God. Don't call somebody to agree with you. 
just kind of let that out straight. You, you find somebody that's, can I put it this way, more spiritual than you are or has more Bible knowledge than you do? You know, let me just say this. I don't go to some Joe Schmo and ask them what the Bible says about a situation I have. I go to my pastor, I go to my father, and I have elders within the church body that can help me understand certain things. God put people in our life to help us. But Adam and Eve didn't go back to the Lord. They knew when he was going to come and talk to them. So they didn't wait or delay to talk to the Lord and say, you know what, before we take of that tree to eat of that apple, or excuse me, eat of that fruit, before we eat of that fruit, maybe we should talk to God about this. No. Never did. And it's because, well, I, I don't want to, to say what it's because of. It's because their heart was deceived. And all of a sudden their heart was changed and they started desiring things they should not have desired. you got to be careful who speaks into your life. you got to be careful what people say to you and how they say it to you and how, how, what you agree with in this life. I, I, th- I think uh, the, the, an elder in this church that, that spoke something to me, it was a while ago, and I know this elder probably wouldn't, wouldn't remember, but there was something that was said, and I, it just kind of stuck out to me. You've got to be careful what you walk side by side with. You've got to be careful what you agree with. And what do you, what do you mean by that? I'm saying in your life, you've got to be careful careful who you hang out with you got to be careful what you what you agree with on social media you got to be careful what you you put out there because that puts a picture of something that perhaps if there's any question in 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 I, I don't do much on social media really at all and um I get on there and look around every once in a while, but I, I, don't, I don't spend, you know, I don't post a lot of stuff. And maybe it's just, I don't know. But I, I find myself, sometimes your heart gets captured by something. Let me know what I'm talking about. Heart gets captured by something. And then you want to make a response. And you're going to, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell them how, where I stand. I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, your heart's involved in something it shouldn't be involved with. And all this social media stuff is out there. Everybody's got something they want to share. And what that is is try to get your attention to agree with you. That's really what it is. Um, that's what the like button's for. There's a big dis- decision on whether or not they put a dislike button on things. But that would even cause more of a problem. But people want to turn your heart towards themselves. They want to get somebody to agree with them. And get, get somebody, touch somebody's heart to... You know, if we're on social media, we need to uplift one another, lift one another up, amen? We need to speak the word of God without being ashamed. And, and, but we've got to be careful what we agree with. Um, there's not too many things that, on social media that I like or comment on because of the fact of I'm not sure if I want to agree with what's going on. An agreement with, especially when it comes to this political landscape and all the stuff that's out there. Get people out there trying to get people to take a side, trying to get people to do this, trying to people to get to that, to change your heart, to come in agreement. Be careful what you agree with. Somebody say amen. People are after your heart. 
go after your spirit. So that's where it started. The principle there is they never considered to ask God for clarification. That's, that's man, that's, that's, that's a powerful thing. When you have been and received something and it doesn't feel right, and instead of just believing it, we should. That's why it's important to be at the house of God, being in the word of God, talking to the Lord, because when something's not right, your spirit should pick it up. Spirit should pick it up. And if it doesn't, you need to pray more. Um, let's look at, uh, let's go back to Genesis. Let's go to the very next chapter. Um, the, the second part of, of, of deception is, I find in Scripture, is the very next chapter. Um, chapter number four, I believe it is. And um, this is where Cain... And Abel were serving up their offering to the Lord. Uh, verse number five, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very, very upset, very wroth, and his countenance fell. His whole countenance, his whole, his, his, his body began to change. His, 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 the, way he, the way he looked changed. His face fell. and his, I'm sure his, he got tense. He probably got... Uh, said some things he probably ought not to say, he got upset, got wroth, his countenance fell, and the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is that countenance fallen? Verse number seven is, if thou doest well, thou shalt not be, uh, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin, there it is, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Here's the thing, when something happens and we know we've done wrong, sometimes we will just kind of ramp up how we feel. Sometimes it's important to take good counsel. The Lord gave him an opportunity here. The Lord gave Cain an opportunity. Talk to him, say, hey, now listen, here, here's the deal, pal. He's either, you, 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 can, you can redo your sacrifice um, or you can still offer the sacrifice, but you shouldn't be mad about it because you know what's right and what's wrong. You know what you did was wrong, so why are you mad about it? But I'm giving you an opportunity because right now sin is lying at the door. He gave him that opportunity to, to make things right. So we find even when God comes to us and gives us an opportunity to come out of deception, sometimes we still fall into deception. And we still fall into sin. Heart is desperately wicked above all things. You gotta be careful. So I'm talking about that little that, that time of, of temptation. We all are tempted. Bible says Jesus was tempted. Temptation is not sin, it's what we do in that temptation that we allow a heart all of a sudden to come upon us and deceives us to think that nobody else will know this, it'll be all right, I'll still be able to do this, I'll still be able to do that, I, I, nobody will ever find out, but all of a sudden your heart will get to a place that you will fall into sin, and when sin, all of a sudden then you are not in control anymore. Not in control anymore. That's what the Bible says, and he says, and unto thee shall be desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Let's go to uh, James chapter number one. Now I've I love the book of James. It reminds me of the book of Proverbs a little bit. Very practical, very practical uh, book. Um, James chapter number uh, one. Let me turn there. I have probably more highlights and notes in this, this book of the Bible. 
um, right after the book of Hebrews. Um, I, I love this. I love this chapter, chapter number one. Um, we may get to chapter four, but probably run out of time of chapter four. But chapter number one, it says, um, verse number two, and my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Say what? Find out joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let your patience, so here it is. You have Adam and Eve, how they dealt with deception and how they dealt with it. But uh, James was saying, Count it all joy. There's a different when you're falling, when you're getting into temptation. You say, "Okay, all right, this is good. My faith is about to be increased." You know, we, we got to have a different attitude. There's a different response to uh, to temptation. Um, but how many times when we were tempted, the devil wants to come in and deceive us to think that all of a sudden we are condemned by the very temptation. But you're not condemned by the temptation. The Bible says, James says, "Count it all joy." Because, hey, this is temptation. I'm going to be an overcomer. My faith is about to be a bit swelled up. My faith is going to be, be on, on the mountainside. So knowing this, that the trine of your faith worketh patience, but let her patience have its perfect work, which means maturity. Let it come into maturity, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Here it is. How do you deal with the deceitful things of the flesh? If you don't know, you ever been in class and the teacher says there's no dumb questions? No dumb questions. If you got a question, ask a question. Um, something else that I've learned and I can appreciate this is I don't want there to be any question between me and somebody else when we leave a conversation. I had a conversation with the, with the board on the phone and we had a, I got, we did a, uh, for the first time we had a, short board meeting over the phone and it was kind of a three-way call and and um it was staticky and, and i kept asking does anybody have any questions no we're good you have any questions no and then tonight brother arnold comes to me and he says it was kind of hard to hear david because i couldn't hear any sta- but i think we got it all cleared up and i said well i don't want there to be any questions right that, that's what happened in the word of the lord james is saying ask if you have a question ask it's important to ask if you have a question uh, because it says, and if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberty. Don't you know that God will be willing to answer your question? One of James was wondering about Adam and Eve if they would have just asked. If they would have just asked. You know what? Let's hold off on that apple or the fruit. doesn't say apple. I keep saying apple. It's not apple. It says fruit. I'm not convinced it was an apple. We're convinced it's a fig now than ever before. That's just my Bible study and listening to, anyway. It's fruit. And um, they, they should have said, you know what, let's, let's hang off on this fruit. Um, but we're gonna, we've got a meeting with the Lord. Let's talk to him. And if there's any problems, then we'll, but, they, but no, that's not what happens. So James is saying we have to have a mindset shift, a renewing of our mind of when, how we, uh, what happens to us when we fall into temptation, diverse temptation. If ye lack wisdom, let him ask that giveth you all men liberty and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. That's a promise. If you have a question, God will answer it. May not be when you want it, but he'll he'll answer your question. 
but let him ask in faith. Somebody say, in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Don't come cocky. Just have faith. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I ain't got time to get in all these scriptures, y'all. But you understand, what you, you can kind of receive a little bit of that scripture, right? Don't come to God with your own agenda, having it all figured out, because you've been, and then that, if you do, that means you've been deceived. You are deceived. You think you can go to God and snuff him out. I want to tell the Lord a thing or two. You go ahead. He already knows what you're going to say. And he's got an answer for you. Find that out. I'm going to read scriptures in Mark here in a minute. How Jesus handled that. Let's go down verse number 12. and says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to him that love him. Your approach to God during temptation is important. Your approach to that temptation is important. There have been times that I have been tempted that knock somebody's head off, even though I knew I couldn't knock their head off. But I did not allow that, that seed of frustration to to well up, to even think, to conceive that I even would make that step. I, and nowadays, I don't even get upset about certain things. There was a guy trying to shove me out of a roundabout today. I said, well, bless the Lord. You go right ahead, pal. If it's that important to you, you go right ahead. I'll get upset about, about things. I don't, I don't, what's happened over a period of time, I have conditioned my mind and my spirit to respond to the temptation of getting angry. Now think about that for a moment. There are certain things that have to grow in you. When temptation comes, and whether it's of a sexual nature, can I talk like this, pornography, or if it's uh, somebody trying to run you off the road, whatever feeling you, that, that you get in that moment of temptation that calls you to fall into sin, you need to ask God, help me with that moment right there. Help me with that moment that my heart will not come out of my chest, that I would be deceived to fall into that temptation, that I would fall into sin. James' approach is, count it as all as joy. All temptations coming, I'm going to bless God, we're going to come through on this on top. If I don't understand, God help me. Help, help, help me to, 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 to handle this. Help me, God, to, 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 to approach this properly. Let's read on. Which is the, verse number 12. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for what he's tried. He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. I love that verse. That's a beautiful verse. Um, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot, tempt, cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. If, if you are being tempted by sin, that is not from God. Let me say that again. If you are battling sin and being tempted by sin, that is not, you don't say God's just tempting me. God is not tempting you. That is not God. That's what it says right here. God does not tempt people to sin. He's, he's not going around, come on, tell me a lie. Tell me a lie. Not God's nature. That's not God. 
God doesn't tempt you to behave poorly. That's the old flesh. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. It's actually your flesh and your decisions that you're making that's caused you to fall into sin. God help us with our decision making. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away, here we go, with his own lusts. Enticed. I still love the book of James. Speaks right to me. And when, and when lust hath conceived, here it is. When lust hath conceived, that usually comes from your heart. Your heart, your emotions. You get attached. Your mind begins to follow. Spirit, and then your body begins to follow. When it is finished, it bringeth forth something. Or bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Like a crescendo. Do not err, my beloved brother. You know what error means? Err, E-R-R. How do you say that? Err or error? Somebody say err one time. You know what that means? Don't be deceived. It says here, let's let's read it 15 and 16 together. It says, when thou lust, when, when, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. He says, do not err, my beloved. What is he talking about? It's not so much a warning against making a mistake as a warning against being deceived. It says, do not err, my brother. It's not talking about erring to make a mistake. Don't be, don't be deceived into thinking even before you get to making the mistake. Does that make sense? Don't let your heart be deceived. Because we know if it's the lust of the eyes or lust of the flesh or the pride of life, whatever it is, if we take it in through our mind and it attaches to our heart and then our body will follow. The actions body follows. So James, um, verse number 17, let's just go a little bit longer in James here before I run out of time, but we'll get, we'll get to the book of Mark. It said, if any, every good gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, uh, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning of his own, will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be uh, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So let's say first fruits. Of his creatures. Man, it's, I don't have time to get into that. That's good stuff. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Here we go. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. That's not something sometimes you just click your heels or snap your finger and all of a sudden you're slow. It takes discipline. Come on now. I said it takes discipline. Sometimes you're not feeling very well and you had got much sleep and had enough, got enough water on the brain, no food in your belly. And that same thing the day before, you could have handled it. But today you're a little bit tired, you're a little bit irritable, and you're a little bit put out. And if that same temptation came that day, it gets you. So the Bible says be disciplined. I think it, it was at um, Philippians 4 it says... He teaches me how to be low and he teaches me how to be high. Because some, some things I, I need help out when I'm low. And it could be the very same temptation, but because I'm low, I may fall that day. So God help me to be what you need to be when I'm low, when I'm high, when I'm... 
it's how and to handle that deception. So I have, I have many other accounts in Scripture of deception, things that happen. Especially, um, we talked about Cain and Abel. Um, uh, remember, eight was Abraham, um, and he went before the king, and he said, hey, let's tell him you're my sister. Right? They're deceiving the king. Um, Cain, uh, Jacob and Esau, come on now, that's all about deception. Um, Joseph's brothers deceived their father with a coat of many colors. And we're still in the book of Genesis. Um, let's, um, Matthew 2. Let's go Matthew 2 and bear with me. We'll get, we'll get, to, get to Mark 12 next. Um, Matthew 2. Um, it, this, is, this is a big time deception. I mean, read this you probably we'll probably i'll probably read this next couple weeks for christmas service or something i don't know and he sent them to bethlehem uh matthew 2 and 8 he sent them to bethlehem and said go and search carefully for the child and when you found him report to me please let me know so that i may too come and worship him careful flattering words and people to come to you and say hey what I have learned as pastoring, this is just this is the way it's been. The people that brag on me the most are the people that tear me up the most when I'm not around. Y'all know that's right. Don't brag on me. That way I know you're not saying anything behind me. But. Mark 12. This, this scripture is played out, I believe, in three other books of the Bible and the Gospels. Matthew Mark and Luke, this plays out. John does not record this, uh, this portion of Scripture. Um, but there was a group called the Pharisees that came to Jesus and um, trying to catch him. Don't you know that there are people in this world, because you are labeled a Christian, they're going to try to catch you up in a trap? And maybe it, all it is is just to get you to respond wrong. You know, that, that will happen. People will try to get you to get an attitude with them. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. It wasn't about the subject. It was about your attitude. Come on now. I've, I've been challenged that way before. And it's because of the fruit that I had in my life and I responded correctly. That's how they will come back to me. Because they know the word of God is truth and they know they're not living the word of God. But because I, my attitude was right, they'll say, I can go back to that person. They'll do it with love. They'll have the right attitude. Um, God had to work a lot on me for that. Um, here we go, verse number, chapter 12, verse number 13. And they send, and they send unto him a certain, now listen, and they sent people. There's always somebody wagging the dog's tail, so to speak. And they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch him in his words. They're trying, get this, they are trying to deceive Jesus. God manifests in the flesh. You cannot deceive God. You can deceive me all you want. But there are times, and I'm telling you, I hear from God and I know I see exactly what he sees in you. And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, now here we go. We know that, you're, that you are true and carest 
for, and cares for no man. For thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. And they, they kind of played to him a little bit. Matthew plays it out a little bit. I mean, uh, yeah, Matthew plays it out a little bit different in Scripture. They would have said, oh, we know you're the God of truth. Like, it's like, Mike, we know, we know you love us. I know, you, you just, you have so much wisdom. You better be careful, man. When somebody comes up and starts, con- I always take a step back. I say, wait a minute, hold on a second. Who told you that, because I'll say, listen, I don't know it all. But I know who does know it all. I may not have the right answer for you right now, but if I don't have the right answer, I'm going to hold my tongue until God gives me that answer for you. And he said, shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, here we go, he knew it before they even came, and said to them, why tempt ye me? Now look at Jesus' response to to somebody trying to see. He calls them out. I said he calls them out. Maybe we need to get a little bit of spiritual because we're supposed to be like the Lord. Is when somebody's trying to deceive you, you say, wait a minute, I feel, I, I feel like this is a little bit of deception. Are you telling me the truth? How many ever worked with a salesman and you can tell that salesman wasn't telling you everything? Oh, and by the way, I mean, by the way, well, there's a couple things we need to talk about. It's like, okay. I have a couple instances at Christmas time I could tell about, but I'm not going to, I don't want to overshare. And he says, uh, they know in their hypocrisy and said, and then why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they're like, okay, give them a penny. And they brought it and he saith unto them, who is this image and subscription? Superscription, excuse me. And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus, no, answering, said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled him. Here's the thing. When you respond as God would want you to respond, it shuts the mouth of the deceiver. Shuts the mouth of the deceiver. And then they come, verse number 18, and they come unto him to... Then unto him the Sadducees. So here's another group. Um, which, they, which, which say there is no resurrection. They say unto him, Master, Moses wrote, here we go, throwing scripture at Jesus. You think they were trying to validate their own point. Here's the thing. If you're using the scripture to validate your point, you, you, you're all wrong. Your behavior, you don't find scripture to to validate your own behavior. Let me just say it again. We don't use scripture to validate us. We use scripture to purify us. There's a difference. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Somebody say amen. I don't want to be deceived by my own heart. When I look for scripture to validate my thoughts, I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving myself. I mean, we do it all the time. That's why we need a man of God. That's why I need a man of God. That's why I need elders in my life. That's why I need a wife. Help me. She's smarter than I am. Say that. Forget a big head. Oversharing. Thank you. 
And now the mother-in-law is telling me it's going to be a bad Christmas for me. Um, so they, they said, Mo- Moses wrote unto us, if a man brother, man's brother die and leave his wife behind him, leave no children. And it goes on and on. And I won't read all the verses there. And, um, and Jesus, verse number 24, and Jesus answered and said unto him, do you not therefore err? Here's that word again. Hang on, guys. Um, you're deceived. Are are err, not the land of err, but the land of error, the land of deceit, the land of deceit, because you know not the scriptures. Hey, we quoted scripture, but you don't know them. What? He says you you will quote them, but you don't know them. You don't really know what the the, the, the scriptures really. Neither the power of God. Wow. And when they shall. For when they shall rise from the dead, neither they neither marry or nor are given in marriage, but are the angels, but are as the angels which are in heaven, and as the touching of the dead they rise. Have ye not read the book? There you go. Did you not read Moses? He's, they quoted from Moses. He said, and Jesus says, Have you not read from Moses? What did he say? Is how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead. But the God of the living, ye therefore do greatly are deceived. And it goes on, and there's other scriptures there too. You can, you can read on. How did Jesus deal with deceit and deception? He began to speak the word of God in truth and in love. He began to speak those things. Galatians 6, last scripture, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, you're going to reap it. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. In other words, what are you saying, Pastor? I said, you cannot deceive God. If you think you can, you have deceived your own self. Deceived your own self. So what kind of, what is this, what do we want to learn from this tonight? What's the take home to this? Take home is, what kind of church are we going to be? We are not walking around trying to deceive one another. We love one another. We speak to one another as God would speak want us to speak and we do not want to cause another person to anger by what we say right we don't want to cause anybody to run to anger but we want the word of God to be preached now if they they decide to not to receive the word of God that's something else entirely but I'm what I want us to know that you got to be careful before we look at anybody else we look at ourselves make sure our hearts not God help me not to be a cane God help me not to be um, an Eve or an Adam and Eve. Because both situations, they never, well, Eve, Adam and Eve never went back to the Lord to confirm how they were deceived and asked questions. Cain had an opportunity and he decided. But what happened was he, he dug in at that point. In the face of truth, he still dug in and still stood for what he believed and what he New. Be careful. Is when God comes to us and say, "Hey, hey, Doc, I'm going to give you an opportunity to correct this." I, God, help me to get my—I don't know 
my head and my heart and my right and get, get to the place that to humble myself. There's a, to humble myself and say, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I know God does. So, Lord, for, please forgive me. And um, not justify. It's amazing. People try to fight with God, fight with his word. Just surrender. Faster that happens, the better off you are. David was a man after God's own heart because what? He was quick to repent. He realized, okay, I've sinned. I have no hope but to surrender to the Lord. Give it back to God. Let's stand together. Hope this lesson made sense, makes sense to you tonight. Um, God, help me not to be deceived. Help me, Lord, not to try to barter with God and try to dig in my heels. And um, um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, you know, I want to be quick to repent. That's good marital advice, too, for you. If you're wrong with your spouse, just admit that you're wrong and ask for forgiveness. That way you don't have to sleep on the couch. That was a pretty loud laugh, Elder, back here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing. But, it, you know, it's good sound advice. Just the quicker you ask for forgiveness, the better off you'll be. If you have a friend, ask for forgiveness quickly. Clear it up. Let there be no question between us. Love one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And one thing, next Wednesday night will be our last Wednesday night for the year. Um, the next two Wednesdays, there's no service. The next service, the next Wednesday, I think, is Christmas and then New Year's. And um, so be faithful to the house of God on Sunday. We're going to have a great time Sunday. Amen. Amen. God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.